You're listening to Financial Insights, a podcast that helps investors through the difficult maze of financial planning and saving for retirement. I'm Brian Ullman, and I'm a financial advisor and certified financial planner at Ford Financial Group. And together with some guests and other advisors at my firm, we're talking about the issues and questions relating to finance that face our clients every day. All right, welcome back to the podcast. Lots going on over the weekend and last week. We, over the weekend, had the daylight saving time return, whether you love it or hate it. I know in our household, we get up pretty early, and so it's actually nice to kind of get started with the day at a more normal time. But it's pretty difficult for some, and especially for kids getting back to school, Um, waking up and losing that hour in the morning is tough, but it always feels good when you have that extra hour of sunlight at the end of the day. Now, we also have St. Patrick's Day coming up this week, which is exciting for some, uh, less exciting for others. I know I'll be wearing a green tie this week uh, on St. Patrick's Day, but that's going to be the extent of my celebrating. Uh, And I think as we get into St. Patrick's Day, let's cover what went on last week before we get in. to kind of some outlook stuff for 2021. Uh, we have, we're going to look a little bit later at the four factors that are going to be influencing markets for the balance of the year. And yes, fine. The four factors have to do with the basketball tournament that is back the final, the NC2A March madness final four and so on. So we'll get to that in just a minute. But as I mentioned, uh, wearing green St. Patrick's day last week, in a rare showing, all sectors across the board finished the week higher. Um, now, U.S. and international markets were positive last week. Small caps, which is the Russell 2000 index, had the best performance, returning over 7% last week, and they continued to stand out above all others. But uh, the S&P 500 was up more than a person, uh, 2.5%. The Dow Jones Industrial Average was up more than 4%. And even the NASDAQ was higher last week. And the NASDAQ is those tech stocks that we've talked about that have been getting beaten up here and there, uh, depending on which way the wind is blowing. But as I mentioned, well, inside of each of these indices are uh, sectors, right? Materials, utilities, consumer discretionary, real estate. And actually, all the ones that I just mentioned were real standouts last week. Consumer discretionary stocks rebounded nicely, considering they were major detractors for the previous uh, two weeks of market activity. And the top performing sectors year to date continue to be energy and financials. So there's been this kind of pause in the sector rotation that we've seen for some of this year. I'll also just do a quick uh, data recap before we talk about jobs, COVID, and then move on to the bulk of this podcast episode. Uh, Small business optimism rose uh, modestly last month. We got that information last week. Uh, Global growth expectations are catching up with an improving economic landscape. And inflationary pressure has been pretty benign, specifically the consumer price index, uh, which is the measure that most use for inflation, increased slightly in February, which was actually in line with Bloomberg consensus expectations, only slightly higher than January. Uh, Core CPI, which actually controls for food and energy prices, rose a fraction month over month and was below the forecast. So despite weather-related disruptions and rising activity, Inflationary pr- pressures right now appear well contained. Now, we've talked at ad nauseum about inflation and what may be coming down the road, but what we are getting right now is actually really benign inflation. 
Also, last week, jobless claims declined modestly. Uh, In fact, the jobless claims fell more than expected last week to the lowest they've been since early November 2020. Over 710,000 Americans filed for unemployment insurance versus the forecast of 725,000. And in addition, continuing claims fell to one, uh, I'm sorry, they fell to 4.1 million, which was below the forecast of 4.2 million. Let's talk COVID just for a second. The U.S. reported 38,000 new COVID-19 cases on Sunday. Uh, That's actually down 8% week over week as the rate of decline in cases continues to moderate. And this is according to Johns Hopkins. Uh, The vaccination efforts continue to accelerate with about 20% of the U.S. population receiving at least one shot of the vaccine. And the vaccine shots per day averaged 2.4 million over the past week, uh, which is quite a bit more than we've had in even just the recent past and getting much closer as time draws on to the president's uh, goal of being able to vaccinate uh, 3 million per week. Uh, going forward, I think we'll, uh, we'll see this continued improvement uh, in the COVID-19 numbers, uh, so much so that it appears as though we maybe don't need to focus on it quite so much week by week. Uh, We'll still check in with the numbers because it's important. Uh, But at this point, it seems fairly solid that the post-COVID time is here as more and more folks are getting vaccinated and things are starting to reopen. Okay, so with the week in review out of the way, let's talk stock market for a little bit. Uh, If you are into sports, I'm loath to use sports analogies when we're talking about investing. It's kind of too cheap and too easy, but I can't help myself this week. Uh, If you're a basketball fan, this is your time. It's March Madness, which is the NC2A college basketball tournament where all these teams play to see who uh, is going to win the championship. And with it getting underway this week, uh, we're getting into the spirit of our own version of March Madness. Uh, Along with LPL Research, we're we're going to go over our final four factors for the stock market in 2021. And those four factors are vaccines, policy, profits, and rates. While we see several strong competitors in this field, we think the likely winner of our little tournament is clear, and it's going to push stocks higher over the balance of the year. So let's start with factor number one, vaccines. This is perhaps the most important factor in assessing economic growth prospects. The distribution of COVID-19 vaccines, which we covered just a little bit uh, ago in, in the recap from last week, is bringing us closer to a fully reopened economy and is likely the most important factor in assessing economic growth prospects for 2021. Their importance to the outlook for the U.S. economy and financial markets really, really can't be overstated. We've said time and time again, it was a public health-related recession, and a solution to the public health uh, problem is what's going to bring us to the recovery phase, and this is where we are headed now. Since the approval of the first vaccine candidate in early December 2020, the U.S. has administered over 100 million doses and has fully vaccinated roughly 13% of the total population. Again, this is according to Johns Hopkins. So the current pace of over 2.4 million shots per day is expected to pick up as soon as the Johnson & Johnson single-dose vaccine, which was granted emergency use approval in late February, becomes more widely available. Uh, The vaccine's easier to store, easier to transport, uh, one shot, so it's going to have a huge impact. And the vaccine rollout and ongoing containment measures have really helped to quell the winter surge 
uh, in cases that we we had over the last few months. New daily cases have have fallen from a peak near 300,000 on January 8th to an average of around 50,000 last week. And the number of people hospitalized with COVID-19 in the U.S. has also plummeted. The currently approved vaccines appear really to be effective against all of the variants of COVID-19, which also quells the risk of another wave of infections, a fourth wave, if you will. So thanks in large part to the efficacy of the vaccines, we really expect the economy to move closer to full reopening over the next several months as the end of the pandemic actually approaches here. Now, that was the first factor, but we've got four more, right? Or three more, rather, because we're for a total of four. And the second factor that we're looking at is policy. And really, added stimulus provides a clear near-term benefit. But the question becomes with this policy, what about the long-term risks? President Biden signed a nearly $1.9 trillion uh, stimulus bill into law on March 11th of this year. And the latest surplus package comes on the heels of approximately $3.4 trillion in stimulus passed by former President Trump in 2020. And the last was a $900 billion bill signed into law on December 27th. So markets generally cheer stimulus, at least in the short term. And we've seen a historic amount of debt-financed fiscal support in the last year. Markets are forward-looking, which suggests much of the stimulus has largely been priced into markets. And at the same time, stimulus helps protect against economic downside and could still contribute to an upside surprise in conjunction with the vaccines. And the Federal Reserve, keep the Federal Reserve in mind, they're continuing to provide monetary stimulus, both by keeping its policy interest rate near zero through its bond purchase program to help contain longer-term interest rates. Uh, The Fed really has signaled that they are going to be cautious about raising rates. And the most recent Fed policy committee projection puts the first uh, rate hike of the economic cycle in 2023. And well before that, the Fed may start to signal a growing comfort with the trajectory of the economy by easing off some of the bond purchases maybe as soon as this year. So, While stimulus is likely to continue to support markets over the near term, the policy risks here that we're talking about are longer term. A widely expected temporary rise in inflation would be manageable, but a structural change in inflation may royal markets. I think really the bottom line here is that we believe the longer term forces keeping inflation in check, like demographics, globalization, technology innovation, all really remain in play. And high debt levels carry a financial cost, but the impact on growth is likely to be gradual over a longer period of time. So let's move on to our third factor, which is profits. A strong economic recovery sets the stage for substantial revenue and profit growth. And this is why we are investing in the companies we're investing in, right? It's because they make money and they grow over time. And the economic recovery to date continues to surpass expectations, which has been bolstered by massive stimulus, potentially setting the economy, uh, the United States economy, to grow 6% or more in 2021. Goldman Sachs is actually projecting 8% in 2021. And a strong economic recovery really sets the stage for a potential substantial increase in revenue and profits over the next year. Against that strong economic backdrop, Really, our estimate for the S&P 500 index earnings per share in 2021 is uh, $170, which is below the consensus estimates, according to FactSet, of $175 a share. And we might end up being a little bit conservative with that estimation. 
Uh, but fourth quarter earnings uh, season was stellar. The S&P 500 earnings grew 4% year over year when a nearly double-digit decline was anticipated at quarter end. Uh, and estimates have increased nicely over the past couple of months by about 5% all of which solidify the positive earnings outlook that we have for corporate earnings for this year. Uh, strong earnings growth is a key part of the bull case for stocks, given the fact that valuations are elevated. And really, we expect stocks to grow into their valuations this year and move higher as earnings rebound strongly from the lockdown and recession-driven collapse in 2020. So S&P 500 earnings could end up growing 25% or more this year and by even double, and by double digits even by 2020 based on consensus estimates, which is tremendous. You know, when we talk about valuations, you're paying more for a company that makes a certain amount of money. And so if it's going to find equilibrium, one of two things need to happen. The price needs to come down or the earnings need to go up to meet that higher price. Sometimes it's somewhere in the middle. Uh, but right now, I think if we're looking at this kind of growth, it's, it's really that earnings will move higher to meet the higher valuations. Let's go on to factor four. We can never forget about this, and it is rates. How quickly interest rates rise matters more than the actual level of the rates. Long-term interest rates are rising as the economic outlook improves. More important than though than the level of interest rates is how quickly we really get there. If interest rates move higher too quickly, there could be some spillover into the economy and stocks. Interest rates play a really important role in economic and business conditions as they influence rates on consumer and business loans, as well as impact returns on many of the investments that we invest in. This year, we've seen the yield on the 10-year treasury increase by about 60 basis points. And I know we don't talk in basis points here. It's six tenths of a percent to 1.6%, a full percentage point above last year's lows on March 9th that were matched on August 4th. So while we don't believe yields at these levels necessitate a repricing on financial assets, a meaningful move higher from these levels could cause financial conditions to tighten a little bit. So we continue to believe yields will move higher throughout the year with an upward projection of 1.75% with our year-end range for the 10-year uh, somewhere between one and a quarter and one and three quarters for now. But really, if rates to move too high, too fast, we could expect the Fed to then intervene and ensure rising rates don't become too restrictive and disrupt equity markets or the real economy. Stock market performance during periods of rising rates is reassuring. They've actually done pretty well in the past. Uh, and as the economy reopens and expectations for growth and inflation evolve, the level and trajectory of interest rates are going to be con will continue to be top of mind for investors. So if we're looking at this final four of these different factors, um, vaccines, policy, profits, and rates, the question, of course, then, is who is the winner? And as you could probably tell just from the top, we're giving the championship to the vaccines in a route. That really, the distribution of COVID-19 vaccines is bringing us closer to a fully reopened economy and is likely the most important factor in assessing economic growth prospects for 2021. Earnings and stimulus are strong competitors, which will help support stock market gains this year. And then also we expect interest rates to kind of fade as a threat to markets as this game kind of plays out. 
So we continue to recommend overweight to equities and underweight to fixed income relative to investors' targets if it's appropriate for you. And I would say give your financial advisor a call if, or if you're working, if you're not working with an advisor, you can reach Ford Financial Group at info at fordfg.com and we can talk about your weighting of equities to fixed income. But really, our S&P 500 index fair value target range of somewhere between uh, 4,050 and 4,100 at year end 2021, um, based on a, a PE multiple near 21, uh, and the 2022 earnings forecast of $195 a share, uh, really speaks to uh, how how impactful these vaccines and the reopening of the economy is going to be. So. I'm going to leave it there. Thanks for listening. As I mentioned earlier, if you have questions, you can email us at info at FordFG.com. You can find us on the web at FordFG.com. My name is Brian Ullman. I look forward to talking to you in the next one. The advisors with Ford Financial Group are registered representatives with and securities are offered through LPL Financial, member FINRA, and SIPC. Investment advice is offered through Ford Financial Group, a registered investment advisor and a separate entity from LPL. The opinions voiced in this material are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. All performance referenced is historical and is no guarantee of future results. All indices are unmanaged and may not be invested into directly. Stock investing involves risk, including loss of principal. No strategy assures success or protects against loss. The economic forecasts set forth in this podcast may not develop as predicted. Ford Financial Group and LPL Financial do not provide tax or legal advice or services. This information is not intended as a solicitation or an offer to buy or sell any security referred to herein.